Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold, head of marketing of Finos, and this is the Open Source and Finance Podcast. And on this episode of the podcast, I interview Anna Jimenez Santa Maria, who is the OSPO program manager of the To Do Group. This is the first podcast in our new series of Open Source and Finance 101. And it's about the value of open source program offices or OSPOs in financial services. So sit back and hit the music. All right, is everybody in? Okay, cool. All right, so as I said in the intro, um, we have started a new series on Open Source and Finance 101. We really wanted to give a baseline to our Finos community and our Finos ecosystem of, you know, here are some 101 topics, things that you really should know about within Open Source and Financial Services. And kind of ironically, we probably almost start with a 201 instead of a 101 level uh, talking about open source program offices or OSPOs. And I say that because OSPOs are um, maybe a a finite point in the open source readiness journey um, of maturity that a, a, let's say, a a sell-side bank would take um, as they are first uh, consuming, then contributing, then working out licensing agreements, um, and then really deciding, you know, that they're going to um, be an active participant within open source, not only in their projects uh, that are key to them, but maybe even outside of that uh, in other projects as well. However, this is part of our 101 uh, talks because you kind of have to see it's not the end. Uh, Ospos are not the end of the journey, but they are pretty uh, far up there and, and take some time to get to and achieve. Um, so we, you know, start with the end, not the end, we start with the end in mind, um, in order to see where we are and where we need to get to. And Anna is the perfect person to talk about this because of the work that she does, uh, with OSPOs, not only in financial services, but, um, in all types of, uh, companies, uh, uh, medium, large, even small. Um, so I'm going to let her talk more. (laughs) And I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold, head of marketing for Finos. Hope you're doing well. Today on the podcast, uh, we have Anna Jimenez Santa Maria. Um, Anna, how are you today? Hello, hi everyone. Thanks for inviting me. Doing great. Yeah, uh, you know, this is your second time on the podcast, and I'm, I'm glad that we get time to. Uh, have an extended session and um, and talk about we're talking about OSPOs today. Um, we're <laughs> I feel like we're always talking about OSPOs, but um, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking forward to you know kind of uh, diving deep into some of the work that uh, you do for the To Do Group um, as the OSPO program manager, uh, which is also part of the Linux Foundation, and so um, so. Um, but l- let's, you know, we're, we're humans. Let's start with the human side. Um, um, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about Anna and, um, you know, who you are, what you do, and, um, and then we'll eventually get into the work part as well. Uh, okay, yeah. So I'm uh, right now in program manager at the Twitter group. As you were saying, uh, part of my work is 
uh, helping the community, the OSPO community to grow, uh, helping the uh, organizations that are that are there that has an OSPO to uh, better implement uh, best practices, share it to others, uh, to help other OSPOs to be implemented worldwide. Um, previously to that, I used to be on a company called Viteria for software development analytics firm, also uh, really uh, related to OSPOs uh, to provide metrics and so on. Uh, so I got a lot of knowledge there, and then these learnings I was able to uh, put it into Tutor Group, and also thanks with the community I have that I keep learning more and more things about OSPOs in different regions and in different areas. Cool. And then, uh, obviously, you uh, just spoke at um, uh, OSFF in London, uh, uh, and you talked about uh, OSPOs and um, OSPOs in financial services. Um, and we will get into that in a little bit. But um, um, uh, first of all, thank you <laughs> for doing that. Um, and uh, uh, I, you know, I heard it went well. I finally got a chance to watch all of the videos from all of the because I never got a chance to to actually go to half of half of the talk. So, um, um, but, uh, you know, it was well received and, um, and had some good comments on it as well. So, um, um, so I appreciate that. Um, so let, let's, um, let's, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's talk about what an OSPO is. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll start off with the, you know, an open source program office, but, um, but can you tell me, you know, what you see as an OSPO, what it is, mm -hmm. and then, you know, let's, let's get into the why of you, why you'd have an OSPO. Sure. Uh, so the OSPO definition that, uh, by the way, you can find in one of the to the group.org repos, um, is basically a centralized place uh, where organizations are putting uh, all the open source efforts in one single place. Uh, so what is that? Um, I always think that this definition is, is great, but for people to better understand, let's say that you are dealing with a lot of open source um, activities, like you're, you need to, in, as you get into open source, that you need to um, be more open source first company or become an open source first company, you need to take care of the open source compliance, the open source strategy, start building policies around open source, start building maybe a community uh, when you decide to release a open source project, not only using but contributing. So that is a, a long process that takes time. And a way that uh, organizations see as a way to uh, accelerate that adoption and, and try to organize this better is put a strategy on top of these open source efforts. And that is what an OSPO is, is putting a strategy, taking care of these policies and see it more as an open source best practices that is not just for um, big corporations, software corporations, uh, we're seeing it now in a, a lot of different, um, a lot of different sectors, including the finance sectors. That that's why I I wanted to present the talk in, in finance because in Tudo we are seeing more and more organizations uh, from the finance and banking sector being created, not only Tudo members that 
those the general members are organizations that has an established OSPO, but also bankings in, in Europe or also in the States that are trying to build one and they want to really understand how, how can I uh, put these OSPO best practices into my organization to accelerate open source adoption. Yeah, and, and what, you know, what we've seen really in the past five years is is that you know first of all the the legal hurdles of of not only like you said not only you know um consuming but then going back to you know how did they have their developers and and then technologists contribute you know that is at a young stage um in the development of of open source for financial services firms but but you know looking at the ospo it, it is it is you know gathering all of the the open source things um together in one place and and so you know it, it I, I believe that it shows a a maturity of the industry in um you know l let's call it you know first dealing with open source um Indeed. In, yeah um, yeah indeed uh, actually so some organizations have asked us like so like be starting an ospo that that's usually one of the questions and um i usually reply like it depends like first try to see where where your organization is like are they really understanding the value of open source first are they uh, do they have coordinated efforts around open source um or is there a lack of alignment in the organization's goals and the open source goals? Are they just using it or are they willing to contribute to? So if, um, for instance, if there are no clear understanding of open source, if uh, the organization doesn't have an open source strategies or they are not working on policies, they are just using open source ad hoc and trying to get more into open source, uh, don't create an OSPO. I mean, I will say, first uh, get um spend time to let the organization to understand the value of open source on contributing to it uh, and once you're there uh, and when the organization tries to say okay how can we start implementing this in a in a with with some kind of alignment and, and a strategy is when you can start thinking about ospos and put strategy policies and what is more important, uh, build this matrix of experts that tries to infuse open source into the whole organization. That is one of the core um, objectives of, of of many OSPOs. Yeah, definitely. And 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 so, you know, you're telling me that that OSPOs can kind of take different structures and different shapes. Um, you know. Uh, you know, as as it's building up, can you can you talk a little bit about the different types of structures that you might have for an OSPO? Yeah, so we we've seen uh, not all organizations are the same, and it seems it happens the same with the OSPO and how how organizations decide to structure, and that depends uh, many times on the sector because there are organizations that they really. For instance, software organizations really understands at the very beginning the this and this need of open source and have this strategic place, so they don't have a lot of barriers. But for instance, there are other sectors, more traditional ones. For instance, finance sectors, retail sectors, also happening automotive. Uh, it's also one of those 
uh, that uh, you need to be uh, some quite careful when uh, building new things there. So that's one of the uh, one of the constraints and and what defines like when organizations decide to build the OSPO, what is a better structure and also the size of this organization. It's not the same, it's not the same like building an OSPO when you have a lot of resources from big corps. And when you have a, a small company or a middle company, that is completely different. So for instance, in the case, now that we are in the um, finance sector, I will focus more on that area. So for uh, restrictive sectors such as finance or traditional sectors such as finance, and maybe more uh, small or um, uh, small or medium organizations, uh, many many organizations, what they're doing is build like a virtual OSPO. So you're not saying, okay, from one day to another, I have a huge team of people in OSPOs and I have a dedicated team of people working on that, but maybe just one person managing open source efforts and that person should be um, communicating with the different teams across organizations because and also it's a cross-functional activity. So you need to deal with the legal team, you need to deal with marketing team, with HR and so on. So this person is this linchpin and will be, is, is this virtual OSPO because it's, I, I'm just one person. Well, you're not just one person because OSPO, as I was mentioning, is a best practices to adopt to accelerate open source and needs to be in in top of mind on the organization's mind so that is one thing that people that organizations can start from of course there are other structures uh when uh, you have an ospo inside the cdo office or you have an ospo inside of the hr office but those are like for in my honest opinion for bigger organizations organizations that have the resources and had already a clear understanding of open source and they can spend resources on building this team in in in, in inside a team right um so yeah right and, and and well and i think you're right too that that uh even a large organization may you know may not want to start with just you know having 10 ft you know full-time employees working on this um they they might want to incrementally add start with the virtual and then you know um yeah, I think we see this too in in actual, you know, in the open source projects that are out there. That that you know, you have developers that are working, you know, twenty percent of their time on a project, you know, and then as that project becomes more important to the company, um, then their time goes from twenty percent to fifty percent, and all of a sudden they're a full time employee just working on that project because it it has the impact on the company um you know that <laughs> that hits their bottom line right you know somewhere um but but you know i, I think your your structures of starting with the virtual ospo and then leading to full-time um ospos with with more and more employees is they have to see the value of it as well yeah I it, it needs it needs evidence sometimes and and that's why I think having these OSPO communities, uh, building resources and sharing also the work that other organizations are doing. Because sometimes 
the OSPOs are formed because the competitors are having an OSPO. And this is like, okay, I, I've seen that that works uh, for this organization. Why not having, uh, why, why not having an OSPO? So I think that having this evidence, not only within your company and proving it within your company, thanks to the virtual OSPOs, that can be a step to go, but also to see outside, uh, Thanks with these communities that serves this work in a transparent way, I think that also um, accelerates this. All right, all right. So can we go back to? I was looking at um, on I believe an article that you wrote with um, Chris Anacek. Make mm -hmm. sure that I said that right. Um, I've I've known Chris for a long time, but. I've never known if I've actually said his last name correctly. Is it Anacek? Anacek. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think so. <laughs> if he hears this, uh, uh, he can let us know. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, but you you co-authored a, a blog post recently for open source. Uh, what was it? It's open source.org? No, open source. Right. Yeah, yeah. open source.org. Um, and uh, uh, on uh, you know what is an OSPO basically, and and I thought that it was pretty interesting. There's a mind map in there, um, and and is is that something that that you folks have worked on at the To Do Group? Yeah, um, actually, that is also right now we have published it under OSPOlogy. That is one of the reports from the To Do Group. Uh, that um, for those who want to just start in their OSPO journey or start to learn more about OSPOs, I really recommend this repo because it has like a lot different set of artifacts such as OSPO mind map to understand the different OSPO responsibilities. Um, also, well, we there with there you can find also different uh, community calls where uh, we discuss OSPO use cases from companies, for instance, from Sony, OSPO at Sony, OSPO Spotify, Ospot Aven and more. And, and we have there also the, the model, the OSPO five states model, that um, the main goal of that was to try to be used as a framework for mm -hmm. others to use within the organization when setting up an OSPO and understand in which um, in which area are they in terms of their OSPO journey, because when when you start an OSPO, you're moving from open source ad hoc to yes. more strategic decision-making partners in your organization of the open source decisions and the technology stack your organization might adopt or contribute to. Uh, so there are different stages that we've seen in many OSPOs uh, to do um, that traditionally is, is something that is uh, kind of normal to happen, like moving first from the legal driven states, because the first thing that happens in many organizations are we need to take care of the inventory, the software inventory. Uh, we need to uh, take care of the of, of licensing issues. Uh, how can we educate developers to contribute to open source in a secure way? Uh, so that is like the first layer. And once that layer is covered, uh, usually OSPOs can start taking action into the community-driven state. Uh, they, they can now uh, uh, understand the policies and the processes on how to contribute to which open source projects so they can actually contribute to. So build this education of how can developers contribute to open source within the organization 
and also encourage them, motivate them to uh, contribute to open source and let them understand why it's benefit uh, for not only for the organization, but even for them to contribute to open source projects. Uh, later, they can the, the organization can start seeing open source uh, uh, projects that were uh, under developed under the organization and maybe it's useful to be released at open source and helping the open source sustainability and the open source ecosystem. And uh, finally, once they have this clear understanding of open source and they have built the matrix of experts around open source, uh, the final states are more towards open source leadership, like how the OSPO becomes these leaders of uh, the open source within the company, and they become these strategic partners, these advisors on open source. Cool, and and, and you know, kind of, it's it's interesting. With they they become leaders. I I want to go to like the leader part too. Um, you know, in in the OSPOs that you've you know seen, worked with, researched, um, and whether it's within financial services or not, um, you know how important is it to get um you know many times in open source like especially in a technology company i've always been used to seeing like a lot of the support for open source comes from the ground up first but then you also have you know the top down as well that that you know they all kind of get it they they get the the um the benefits of open source um that you know comes you know very naturally i guess um and so having an ospo in the technology company especially a large technology company you know it just makes sense because everybody's kind of on the same page um you know but let, let's think about financial services what you know would you have a guess of you know who really has to um maybe first come up with with the idea of hey maybe we should be you know starting to form an ospo but how important is it to have the 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 um you know from the bottom up the developers and the technologists um be on board and how how important is it to have the top down the c-suite in, in a larger organization um you know your cto your cio maybe um you know what is there is there importance to having different people um champion it i guess yeah um actually one of the uh main characteristics of the ospo is that uh, uh one uh, is building a matrix of experts as i mentioned it and that involves uh the high level managers and also uh working on on the 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 low level um sorry the, the low level team as well so it's more about how how can we infuse to the whole organization this clear understanding of open source if you're just focusing on educating developers that's gonna be that's fine it's yes. it's it's the right way to do but you also need to educate um the 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 high level managers as well and vice versa uh and and that is something that i think the ospo can ease like when you don't have an ospo um many companies and organizations says like uh yes my for instance developers are pretty uh they, they pretty understand the value of open source the problem is that the manager didn't understand that 
uh, because you're doing open source ad hoc, the developers might have uh, might had a problem in the past with a vulnerability, for instance, because they are using open source. Everyone is using open source. And if you don't take the open source seriously, there are going to be problems. Uh, so when that happens is when developers say, hey, we might need to take care of open source uh, licensing, compliance, what's going on. But the developers understood, but not the middle managers, because there is a gap of communication. So I think OSPOS can um, break this gap because there is a centralized place. There is um, alignment of uh, let's let's start to uh, take open source in a serious way, take open source in a more mature way and, and build these metrics of experts, not only from um, top down but also from bottom to top you know and, and it's kind of interesting you said about middle managers too that uh uh so i've been around this industry now for about five years and and one of the things i was told and 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 still have been trying to research over time you know is that um that usually the developers get open source and sometimes the leaders get open source but it's really the middle managers that you know they may not get the value of it because and I think because you know of what you said that it has been so ad hoc and they don't see the value to their teams that they're managing um uh because it's like oh it you know kind of like oh it's this thing that you know this developer is doing as opposed to you know no there's you know there's there's something from the top down that and from the bottom up that the OSPO is is you know helping have an umbrella of information, you know, to, to give to middle managers as saying, you know, this is why this is important. Um, and, and so it's not just a champion, it's also, you know, kind of a fount of information, um, as well. So that, you know, you know, as, as a middle manager, you know, I would want to know how, you know, why do I want to do this? Um, how is it impactful to my team? You know, we can use open source. Great. Um, but you know, why should my team be giving back to, to um to open source to any projects at all um because you know as a middle manager i wouldn't necessarily get um you know uh not necessarily judge but um is that part of you know is that part of my you know key results that i have to deal with i guess um so mm -hmm. so you know I'm hoping that that an ospo and an ospo leader would would be able to kind of suss that information out um so Let's see. I, I think, you know, um, we, we will put the article, the mind map, the repo, <laughs> the to do group. Um, but uh, you have something coming up in September, I believe. Um, do you want to talk about that as well? Yeah. So um, at to do, we are uh, we, we have different resources. We try to uh, create resources on education to um, education also on uh, survey and research and try to provide networking spaces to let others to learn and uh, that last one um, it's it's um, ospology one of the many different networking spaces we we bring every year and uh, is an event under open source summit and it's for any open source management open source program office manager or any um, organization willing to learn more about open source program offices that they 
might be uh, thinking of uh, creating one or advancing in the OSPA journey, uh, where we will be serving uh, best practices, um, OSPA journeys, experiences from other OSPA leaders across sectors and regions. And uh, that will be happening in Dublin um, for Open Source Summit Europe. It's going to be a three-day event full of talks and uh, discussions and panels. And I really hope to see you there. I know uh, some OSPOs in finance will be also attending and presenting, as far as I know. Nice. So uh, everyone is more than welcome to join. Yes, and, and that is September 13th through 16th um, in Dublin. Um, I believe it's also part of it is also virtual for the Open Source Summit Europe, um, but uh, but OSPOCon, um, uh, I, I'm assuming you'll be there. Uh, so, of course. Uh, good, good, good. And, um, and for those who uh, go in person, we might have some cool news slack from Oh, Ospos. nice. Very cool. Um, well, I, I know that uh, I'm, I'm sending team members over there. Um, I think I told you that, uh, uh, you know, um, our director of community, I've, I've kind of tasked him with like, you know, be a tour guide and and um, and have Finos, you know, have kind of curate for Finos members where they should be going. But um, but, you know, honestly, like, most of them should just be going to OSPOCon. So um, uh, uh, so we we will definitely make sure that we're sending uh, folks there to to see what you're talking about. So um, and I appreciate your time today. I uh, and um, I hope that uh, I, I won't say where you're going, but I hope that you have a great vacation. Um, Thank you. You and, too. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Wait, I'm not going on vacation. I hope you. Oh no. <laughs> okay. I've, oh, so sorry about that. No, no, no. No, no. Um, but I hope you have a great vacation and um, and get out of uh, 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 the heat um, and uh, get to a cooler place soon. Um, so again, thank you. And um, like I said, we'll put uh, everything in the show notes. And Anna, if there's anything else that we should be including, just let me know. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, hope to see you soon in September. And um, appreciate it. And um, with that, I'm going to say good day, good night, wherever you are. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that podcast with uh, Anna Jimenez Santa Maria, who's, again, the OSPO program manager at the To Do Group for the Linux Foundation. I will add a link to her talk at OSFF about uh, OSPOs and financial services as well in the show notes. Now get involved with the Finos community by signing up on finos.org. Um, either for our newsletters or for our This Week in Finos so that you know what's happening within the community um, on a continual basis. Uh, get involved with our Slack channels, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you enjoy this podcast, please rate us uh, five stars on whatever podcast platform you follow. And we're always looking out for great interviews, so contact us at marketing at finos.org. Uh, if you have any ideas, plus if you need to get involved with the community, help at finos.org gets you to any of us at Finos as well. So with that, I'm going to say good day, good night, wherever you are. Yes.